Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place here at Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Bookish and the Brave. Like you, the Sojourners are on a mission. They face conflict and sometimes even danger. And in this most recent episode, they have left the Shadow Monastery, crossed over the countryside of Thetherna, and returned to Baldtop Library. But instead of returning with the Black Lotus safely in their possession, they walk through the courtyard in defeat. For Lord Basile has acquired the Black Lotus. And there is much to learn about the days to come. Follow along with the Sojourners as they attend the council, move to their respective locations, and plan for the future that awaits them. And rest assured, it will certainly not be without incident. And so for now, our story continues. Sojourners, each of you return to Baldtop Library. Beyond the outer walls, you walk through the courtyard. You see to your right and left the tall apartments that house the pilgrims who have traveled near and far with books in hand to gain access within this majestic vault. You see the Baldtop Brew, still under new management and thriving as ever. Wardens and witnesses travel around like buzzing bees, attending to the pilgrims, who have all cloistered here to gather higher learning. And of course you see the majestic walls of the inner library, the most elite station of Baltop Library, where tall towers spire into the sky, ascending all the way to the dome that covers the entire citadel. How do you proceed? Vaughn is going to head home uh, with Aramonte. He wants to uh, get her home, uh, have a debriefing with her about what happened while he was gone, uh, reiterate that he was sorry that he left her and that he felt like she would be safer there than wherever he was going when things started to go sideways. And... uh, (laughs) Papa, of course, it's always safer in a backpack. Yes, well... I thought it would be better for you to be in a backpack in this plane. And I didn't know what was happening to me, but I knew something strange was. I wanted you to be with your uncles uh, instead of with me wherever I went. And, uh, but I'm so glad that we are back together and that you are well. She looks down and scuffs her feet. Well, it was awful where we were too. There was a horrible amounts of fighting and uh, Sinditon. Uh, really bad. Well, I'm sorry about that. I... You know that if you go with me on these adventures that you may see some fighting and uh, you may encounter some witches and such. So, you are welcome to stay home with Brother Dogoth uh, if you don't want to go, but uh, it is hard for me to want to leave you. So, but it is your decision. Do you think you'll ever have a job working at Baldtop instead of for Baldtop? That is possible. I I don't know what I would do for Baldtop. I am uh, my skill sets are uh, maybe a little bit more useful um, being out and about. Ooh ooh! I I could plant contraband on Sigurd and then get him fired, and then you could take his job. Well, I I fully believe that you could do that, uh, Aramonte. You are very, you're very sneaky and you're very talented. But uh, yes, I'm very sneaky. I don't think I would like to do that. Sigurd is my friend, and uh, Sigurd is your friend, and that would be uh, that would be a very mean thing to do. But maybe I could be his assistant, and then when he decides to retire, I could take over for him. I'm certain that I would be good at training the uh, people at Baltop. So that's a very good idea, and maybe someday we'll get to do that. Would you like to do that? Um, you're a bookend. Sigurd would be your assistant. Wow, you know so much, don't you? 
Yes, that's, I guess that's possible. She runs through your open door and does a double flip, landing on your bed, bouncing up and down and shouting. Then she stops and stares, and the two of you see Brother Dogoth lying prostrate on the floor. Brother Dogoth, are you sleeping? He weakly raises his body up off the ground and lifts up his head. Friar Vaughn! <coughs> what? Thank the Cloverblade, you're alive! No, we, we are alive. What, what has happened to you? Why are you lying on the floor? No, what has happened to you? For I sensed a great disturbance in your life. Well, this... Yes, this was, uh, yes, this is true. Your, uh, your connection is, is very strong. Um, but I am well now, and, uh, looks like we need to get you well. Yes, I have loaned quite a bit of energia in fasting. I look around and wonder, do you have anything to eat? Let's make that happen. Um, is there anything to eat in Vaughn's place? I would imagine he keeps stuff there unless Brother Dogoth has eaten it all. Aramante jumps up. Uh, he has a can of peas, old protein bars, and leftover Okay, beer. Aramante, let's go. Let's take Brother Dogoth to your favorite restaurant. Yay, Baltop Brew! Okay. Come on, Brother Dogoth. And the three of you head to Baltop Brew. Ascendaton, how do you proceed? Not very well. Uh, it's like we hit the courtyard of... <laughs> Ball top monastery and everyone took off and he's just kind of standing there for a bit <laughs> trying to figure out what in the world he where he is but i'll tell you he takes a moment after the initial panic of feeling everyone walk away from him he he lets the scaredness of his situation run through him and he begins to purposefully calm his heart rate he hears footsteps grating on the sand uh, that's scattered across the top of the cobbles. He smells the dampness of the uh, of the frost burning off as the sun rises, and he hears sounds echoing back close at hand. And so he's using his other senses, sharpening his awareness of his surroundings, and with a little bit of extra confidence, begins to strike off into the direction where he believes his house is. He gets it wrong once, maybe twice, but gradually he begins to remember little things that when his eyes were working were much easier for him to, uh, to just rely on his sight. And after a bit, he does find the familiar worn frame of his doorway and steps through and back in his comfortable environs, he settles down into a chair and begins to cry quietly to himself. Uh, he had brought one, maybe two books with him. And as his fingers reach over and run down the spines of the books, uh, he is, his mind rolls over the knowledge contained within them. And he begins to realize if he's going to commit to his decision to put aside his past and to focus on the living, then now is the time to do it. And he begins to let bits of wisdom and accumulated knowledge slip out of his mind and others to take its place. And with that, he is basically rewriting his spell book. And that's going to take up, I, I would say, probably the majority of his time while everyone else is <laughs> preparing for this meeting with Skoda. Suddenly... In the corner of your room, you hear a voice. Uh, excuse me, can I help you? Who are you? I, I'm Hilda, I'm the housekeeper. 
Do you not know me, Hilda? No, should I? I am a Cinderton. Oh, 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 you're the resident. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, nice to meet you. I, I, I just thought you might look a little more rough around the edges, <laughs> seeing you're a, a prisoner and all. Um, what are you in for? Oh, I'm sorry, that's a rude question. <laughs> oh, no harm, Sister Hilda. Oh, he called me I, Sister. I, I don't know that I am a prisoner. I just came back on a, from a trip with the bookends. Well, that's fancy. Well, welcome back. I haven't done any cooking, but all the sheets are changed and the towels are folded. Will you need anything else before I go? You are too kind. Thank you. Uh, perhaps, uh, where are you going? Uh, go into my next assignment to clean another house. Where is that? It's in the library. Would you, perchance, help to lead me to Brother Skoda? Oh, oh. And she takes a long look at your eyes. I, I understand. Uh, you mean Skoda Bookworm? Yes. Yes, yes, I, I do believe I can do that. And as she nods feverishly towards you, you recognize you seem to have very persuasive powers over this woman. It's the charm, yeah. <laughs> Against her orders and her station, she takes she takes you by the hand and places your arm into hers and pats you gently. Now let's let's just go see Mr. Skoda Bookworm, shall we? Thank you very much. I certainly owe you a great deal. Oh. You don't owe me anything. I get paid here at Baltop Library. Still, your services should be recognized, and I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. Say, you don't know them fancy songs, do you? I always like a good song. I know many songs. Well, why don't you sing one for us? Perhaps you would like one that I have been devising. It is The Fight of the Fey Wolves, about the very same bookends with whom I have just traveled. And he begins to launch into a song. And I'm going to say that he allows that to uh, go on as they walk, uh, making their way to the library. Yes, well, I've been working on this one for a while. I hope you like it. Oh, saddest day calamity as Boshan City burned. Its lofty spires and families were broken past repair. The sullen sky with ashes choked to deathly hue had turned. The stalwartest and strongest heart had fallen to despair. But not all hope had fled the world, for three good hearts still burn. Three hearts that knew not all was lost friends beyond compare. Oh, who are these? Oh, who are these? Protectors of our lore. An empty page awaits their tale who seek fame evermore. These friends were walking in the woods all bound by common fate. First Vaughn, a stern and noble monk of steeple-bottom name. And by his side a laughing man with bald and shining pate. T'was sterling of the water folk from dark of death reclaimed. Then Hawkins of the idle hands, those noted builders great. He sought to wear his name with pride and not to do it shame. The bookends three, the bookends three, protectors of our lore. They start the lines that tell their tale, their fame lasts evermore. Then from a tree a dryad came, fair maiden in the night. She spoke of danger lurking near, of evil near at hand. Safe passage through the trees, dear Vaughn, and for a lowly price. I ask but for a single kiss, no greater treasure grand. And with a nod, Vaughn made the choice, her spell had dimmed his sight. He disappeared into the tree and fled to further lands. The bookends three, the bookends three, protectors of our lore. 
They find their story faltering, though fame lasts evermore. Both Hawkins and his sterling friend were caught in fairy ring, and back to back they faced their foes with ice and steel they strove. Red fairy wolves with rainbow fur of feathered tails I sing. Their honey teeth would drag their prey far from this forest grove. Then Hawkins fell beneath their rush, he felt the searing sting. And Sterling knew that all was lost, yet in his heart beat love. The bookends three, the bookends three, protectors of our lore. Their story nears untimely end, will fame last evermore? The fallen friend lay on the ground, his life hung by a thread. So turning eyes to heavenward, brave Sterling sought the stars. With stirring words the gods were moved to lift up Hawkins' head. He rose and then with blinding speed Vaughn came though from afar. To strike the wolves with glistening steel and fill their hearts with dread. From parted ways the friends unite to stand in spite of scars. The bookends three, the bookends three, protectors of our lore. Their story will not end today, their fame lasts evermore. I hope you liked it. And so Ascendaton walks with Hilda all the way to the council to meet with Skoda Bookworm. Sterling, how do you proceed? So while everyone went into Voltop, Sterling snuck away out of Voltop. He is, uh, as soon as that sea breeze hit him, when they were crossing back towards the Mavi Ocean, he already knew what he needed to do. He needed to cleanse himself of this mission, of the travel, of the road. He just needed to let himself be himself and uh, get away his inhibitions by heading to the sea and um, doing what he does to um, yeah, just make himself feel right again. He's not Looking forward to um, this uh, last time he let down Kondo San, he got kicked out of the um, order that he was in. So he's now wondering if the same thing will happen to him at Boltum. Sterling, as you sit there, stripped down with the wind whipping up the perpetual salt water on your skin, your beard now glistening with seawater in the sunlight, a pelican lands nearby and begins to call out a tune in rhythm with the waves crashing upon the rocky edge of the cliffside. You draw in a deep breath and slowly your rhythm and your mind and thoughts return in sync to the ocean. You recall the earliest memories of your home, of the one place you always belong. You recall your earliest moments of being in the ocean. So for Sterling, it was growing up in an orphanage um, in Manton. He remembers just swimming like, nonstop, but he was kind of held down to begin with as they weren't sure what to do with him. But the day that he was able to break free out of the window and just swim by himself. It was scary at first and exhilarating as he was now, you know, possibilities were endless. He was in the breeze, well, not the breeze, in the current more so, and just able to go to places that he'd never seen and visited. Um, it, was a, it was a scary time, but it was a good time. And it uh, reminds him that even when things are, are bad, that they, they turn out good.
Hawkins, how do you proceed? Uh, surprisingly, Hawkins is the only one who is going to seek social interaction. Um, he's going to the Helping Hands workshop because uh, he's got some information to give to Old Man Whiskers. So he's going to um, pop in the door and uh, doesn't see Old Man Whiskers immediately. So he'll shout out for him. Hey, hey, Old Man Whiskers. Yeah, hey, hey, is that Hawkins out here? Yeah, we're back. And alive, too. Oh, yeah, I figured as much. Unless I be seeing ghosts. Old Man Whiskers then emerges from a manhole in the ground, putting hand over hand on the rungs of the ladder. He emerges with a large sack of metal gears and tools that he dumps out on the floor. (laughs) Come here, Hawkins. And he opens up his arms. Give me one of them hugs. It's been too long. I was trying to keep my robes indigo, but I guess black will be fine. Uh, that's all right. You, you smell like you've been on the road. Thanks. Yeah, we just got back. In fact, we hadn't. Uh, I hadn't even talked to Skoda Bookworm yet. Oh, that I good, to, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to let you know uh, about how this uh, unstable polymorph sand did that you that you gave us. Oh, now we're uh, talking. Yeah. And he- clears all the tools off the shelf and they go clattering down on the ground. You hear Leilana call from a back workshop. Don't break that! It'll be fine. She's alright. We'll fix it anyway. Let's see what you got. Hawkins pulls out his journal and I don't have a full journal entry ready but I'll describe as he he sort of flips to the last page um, from, or I guess the page that covers the day that they were in the Shadow Monastery and um, quickly reads through his notes. Um, The magnesium tip arrows did well. Still need to do some work on that whistle tip. Ah, here we go. So that um, I I was able to complete a circle around Lord Basile. Uh, We'll have to cover some of the details here. By the way, we fought Lord Basile. Uh, Made a circle around Lord Basile. Oh, you took it big time, Lord Basile. And, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to practice on one of your friends. That Well, I was looking for a good opportunity, and, uh, well, they took all our weapons away, and we'll have to, we'll, I'll catch you up later. Um, anyways, so uh, it turned him into a sandcastle, uh, so it works. This is some powerful stuff. Um, and it lasted, as far as I could tell, just exactly one hour. Uh, would have been awfully nice if it lasted a little bit longer. Maybe we can find a way to lengthen that a bit. That, that, that's what I was about to say. Maybe we could modulate it or uh, yeah. calibrate it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, but it surely got us out of a tight spot. I'm pretty sure uh, that there would be three fewer bookends if uh, if this stuff hadn't worked. Actually, I guess two fewer bookends because Bond was already banished to another plane but anyways i'll fill you in on all the details later uh i'm gonna need a lot of engine juice before we have that discussion though because it's not pretty leilana walks over and claps her hand on your shoulder don't don't give him a big head he's already got enough hubris to rival the best of ball top (laughs) i'm i'm serious this really helped um and speaking of big heads I'd, i'd like for you two to help me um for us to put our heads together over the next couple of days, depending on how much time I have. Um, it'd be really great if I could find a way to uh, to disarm somebody or maybe make someone's legs stop working. Um, I'm thinking we might be able to put some kind of battery or something into, into one of my arrowheads. I could charge it up from the port on my wrist and and maybe you know stun someone for a little bit. If uh, if we could have made someone drop something they were holding, that would have been real real handy. Uh, if we could have made it hard for someone to walk, that would have been real real handy too. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. So I'm just I'm thinking ahead a little bit, and uh, if you guys can can help me work on some designs for that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm glad we made friends with you when we did. <laughs> You're talking about putting somebody's legs out. I won't be <laughs> on your bad side. Well, I don't have a bad side, but yeah, I see what you mean. I can see why Bald Top's trying to keep him close. <laughs> 
They know, Leilana. They know. He puts his finger on his nose and taps it gently. They know a powerhouse when they see one. You, uh... You haven't gotten any more, uh gifts from Lord Basile, have you? No, apparently you've been talking to him, so I guess he doesn't have time to send us a care package. Alright, well, um, he might have, uh, some new power now that he didn't have before, uh, so, you know, be on the lookout. Yeah, uh, I can't, I don't know how much detail I'm really allowed to go into, but I want you, I want you guys to be careful. Leilana elbows Old Man Whiskers and says, Hey, why don't you tell him about that weird fella that came by? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Hawkins, a strange fellow came by the other day. I mean, he was wearing purple robes so, as a witness, but uh, he had a strange voice, and uh, his name was uh, Gumption. And uh, he, strangest thing is he asked for you. You know anybody by that name? I can't say that I do, but I, I mean, you wear the name Idle Hands, and, and people come looking for you. I, I don't know if it was that. Um, he doesn't seem like the kind that liked to research. He had a strange smile stuck on his face the whole time, and he laughed to himself a lot. Kind of made my toe hair curl. Give me a weird feeling. But, uh, yeah, he kept asking lots of questions about you. Where you were and when you're going to be back. Is he... Are you saying he's weird or dangerous? Like, do I do I need to be looking out for him or looking out? No, no, no. There ain't no doubt about it. He was just weird. But I mean, for to be fair, lots of people go looking for you, but they don't come looking here. Yeah. And he kept looking around like he didn't believe us, looking under pots and sniffing around like he's looking for you. Gumption. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll keep my ear to the ground. That's a dumb name, anyway. I don't know what mother <laughs> names their child. Gumption. Those witnesses, I mean, they'll take anybody. By now, the three of you are well into your second glass of engine juice. Hawkins, it's sure good to have you back. I appreciate it. The sun finally sets. The midnight moon rises and the bookends finally receive their night of rest. In their own beds surrounded by people who care for them, most importantly, under the Dome of Balta. Vaughn, rest does not find you well. Aramonte sleeps quietly in her pot in the corner, but your window is open to the night sky. You find yourself drawn to it with hands folded you look out over your balcony. Vaughn is going to, um, no, it's just Vaughn. Um, it might not be tonight, but he is really preoccupied with this idea of where his family is. And he doesn't have enough understanding of the uh, other planes to really know what's up. So if if opportunity presents itself, so he might talk to um, Dogoth, Brother Dogoth about it a little bit and see if he has some insight um, he'll definitely ask Ascendaton and Hawkins when they when he has a chance. Um, if Sterling's there, he may include Sterling in the conversation. But uh, uh, yeah, he's that's that's going to be uh, pretty high on his mind to to get some understanding about that. So I don't know if that's tonight or not, but it, it, that's just kind of insight to what he's thinking. But it, we don't have to play that out. The next morning, the council room hosted about a dozen readers and teachers of Baltop Library. The long wooden conference table divides up the room evenly. The natural light warmed up the seats as each of you take your place at the table. Sylvia, the elf, was present among the teachers, as well as Skoda Bookworm, the dragonborn who sits regally at the end of the table. He motions towards you, Hawkins, for your debriefing of the acquisition of the Black Lotus. We uh, 
appreciate the uh, the guide that you all offered to us in Ascendaton. He was very helpful in uh, leading us to the Shadow Monastery and providing us some insight along the way. Uh, as we approached uh, the Shadow Monastery, we uh, we came to realize that we were not the first ones on the path. That's not too surprising considering the the value of that uh of that black lotus but um we were we were not welcomed um by the non-choir monks that we found there again not not too much of a surprise as it is their duty to uh to protect the black lotus um nevertheless uh between vaughn and ascendaton we uh we were able to at least talk to them a little bit we were um surprised to uh discover that the leader of the monks um a, a man by the name of father ragu had been killed uh unbeknownst to us uh, and there was another man who had taken his form uh, that man uh, revealed himself eventually to us to be Lord Basile himself. Uh, we encountered him inside the monastery. He had a, uh, a lieutenant with him, if you will, by the name of Starblood, a witch of, of some great talent. Uh, we... We, we incapacitated... Uh, Lord Basile temporarily uh, and discovered that Starblood had already found where the Black Lotus was, but she seemed uh, hesitant to uh, take hold of it herself. Uh, the monks there were able to tell us that doing so causes a great amount of pain and often death. Uh, well, in fact, every time that it had been attempted for someone to take the black lotus uh, that it resulted in death and so um uh we we attempted to distract her uh while sterling here um used by, by means of um some some talent that he acquired uh, took control of a corpse temporarily uh, so that we wouldn't have to worry about the death part of it all, and uh, took hold of the <laughs> took hold of the black lotus. Um, unfortunately, we uh, right about that time um, is when Lord Basile was no longer incapacitated, and with both him and Starblood at the same time uh, fighting against us, they were able to take. The Black Lotus from our possession, and um, Lord Bastille plane shifted away with the Black Lotus. Unfortunately, we uh, we lost possession of it. Um, I should make mention of the fact that before we were able to incapacitate Lord Bastille, he pushed Vaughn to another plane. Um, so Vaughn has uh, yet a little more experience out of this world. Uh, he was able to get himself back in. Um, so obviously, as you see him here before you, he is he is doing okay. Um, but uh, we're sorry. Skoda relaxes his shoulders. Uh, once again, thank you, Hawkins, for your concise account of the Black Lotus, and he waves a hand. There is no need to apologize. It is a mission, and it has ended as such. You were sent on this mission, and even with a guide as skillful as a senaton, it could not have been foreseen that Lord Basile would be there present. Although, with the acquisition of the Black Lotus, and his insistence on personally acquiring it, it does raise some new concerns. But before we discuss the possibilities of future events, I would like to inquire to Vaughn to see if we can gain any insight from your encounter. 
I don't know that there is any information that is useful. Well, you share your information and we will decide if it's relevant. A seal sent me away. I was in a place very much like the abyss that I was sent to before. I, uh, but not, not the same. I encountered my family who was working there. And then I ran into uh, Zitar, who was wearing purple robes, and he pointed the way to the exit. When I ran to the exit, I opened the door and found myself hanging by a cliff, uh, hanging on a cliff by one hand. And then I experienced that same strange sensation and was once again in our plane of existence, I guess, uh, hanging on a cliff. And fortunately, my friends found me. And to clarify, per Hawkins' report, and your as well, you were saying you were not present during the encounter with Lord Basile. Correct. I saw Lord Basile, and I was ready to defend my friends and family and uh, protect the Lotus. And before I could interact with uh, Lord Basile in our defense, he had banished me to wherever he sent me. And Yes, no, I think that is quite clear for now. We know that Basile is not simply a noble politician, but also a clever warlord as well, for he took out the single greatest threat that could have taken the Lotus from him. So he is wise, clever, and powerful. And it's no wonder that the four of you have returned, and for that I thank you for surviving, for now your resource can be utilized in future missions. Skoda shuffles through some papers, looks around confused, and Sylvia interjects. Um, I do believe the place that Vaughn was sent to was not the Abyss, but rather Vacatino. It's a common misunderstanding. Both are not wonderful places to go, but it is rumored that Lord Basile serves Grapson, and this would make sense, for this is the plane in which Grapson amasses his slaves for endless work. Well, where, wherever he sent me, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I now have a deeper desire to understand more about this, but wherever I was sent was not a good place, and... Uh, no, no, it is, it is not a good place, and as I understand, you did see your family there. That must have been very difficult. As hard as that was, we are very grateful that you had the sense to return to us. Thank you. I... I don't know how clearly I'm thinking. I have a lot of unanswered questions, but I am at your disposal. Uh, yes, of course. Vaughn, you said you saw someone in purple robes while you were there in Vacatino. He said his name was Zitar. And you mean to say he looked like a witness? Uh, yes. Um... Yes, he said he was dead, and he lived there, and that he had a master he was serving, and he asked me if I had seen his master. Of course, I don't know if I had or had not. Uh, I'd only seen a caterpillar man and my well, family. Was he a re resident there? That doesn't make any sense. Yes. Well, we can put out a search for any witnesses that fit the description here, but it's quite possible that you may have seen someone from the past. Baltop has... Been around for quite some time. Uh, uh, I think it is time to take a brief recess. We will convene within a few minutes, and I would like the bookends to return so we may determine what the best course of action will be. Thank you. You are dismissed. The council members disperse, some to go seek relief, some to stretch their legs, some to get the sunlight coming through the windows. How do each of you proceed? 
if we are supposed to reconvene in a few minutes, then um, Vaughn will probably just be uh, sitting there contemplative. Same with Ascended Tongue. Hawkins um, will look to see if um, Sylvia leaves the room. And if she doesn't, if she lingers behind by any chance, um, he will grab Sterling and motion for the two of them to, to head over to her. Sylvia is standing in the corner of the room, present. She sees you, Hawkins, approach. Hawkins, good to see you. Hello, Sterling. Hi, Sylvia. Um... So, well, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Um, so, do, do you have any family? The Elithri elves are very well connected. Um, do, do you mean like my human family um, or do you, what do you possibly? Well, you see, we, you know, we, we, we've been friends and, and you always had this, this air of familiarity about you. I wasn't couldn't quite put my finger on it like like i'd already known you or like you know um had some kind of interaction with you but but we we encountered uh this 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 spider witch um she i mean if you don't want to talk about it right now i, I understand but i just sterling i am comfortable talking about anything okay i just want to make sure you are um I mean, I'm, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. I mean, I've kind of been bumbling through this as it is, so why not? What's one more thing? I got Hawkins here as some moral support. <laughs> you have two fae friends who care very much about you. So you met Starblood. So, oh, that's a name. Yes, Starblood and I are what you would uh, possibly call twins in your language. Uh, we were, uh, you say born, we were rather incepted at the same time by the same light from the stars. Uh, and although we have always had a deep connection, um, from the very beginning, we both took very different paths. Yeah. Yeah. What was she like? She How did you experience her? She, she, she was kind of getting in her way as much as she could. She was with Basile, um, and I remember that she was there when that day I came back um, to this plane. Um, yeah, so I guess we've had quite a few interactions with her, but she she was she was picking people up, dropping them from the ceiling. I'd never seen, yeah, and, and and we'd seen her before. She she was with us on the bridge, uh, talking to the dragon. I think she was waiting around for Basile, and we brought him right to her. You know, she has always had a thing for you. But then again, so have I. She gives you a soft, knowing smile, as if she is searching your memories. Sterling, you... I've experienced her before, but it's not just once, twice, or three times, it's four, five. Could you possibly remember? Do you remember? Sylvia is going to turn to Hawkins to gather silent morale and support before she proceeds. Hawkins will um, put a hand to the middle of Sterling's back and nod to her. I, it's a lot been going on recently, and well, you can hear now. I, some little bit of power over the dead. I, it's, I don't know. I, I can't. I haven't had a chance to process. Sterling, the first time I saw you, I knew you were special. It was not your strength or your devilish good looks, or your humor. It was the way your eyes reflected the star's light. And when I held you in my arms, 
I knew you meant something more than a sacrifice. When your mother brought you to the sea that day, you have to understand, she did what she thought was best. She did what she thought was best to appease an evil demon by sacrificing you. And so she threw you from the shores of Boshan into the ocean, and standing there, guiding her the whole way, was my sister Starblood. I, I couldn't let it happen. I didn't care what demon had purchased your blood. All I saw was a young human mother, frightened and afraid and desperate, and that witch influencing her. So I left my hiding place, and I dove into the Mavi Ocean after you. I swam as deep as I could, and I prayed to the stars to find you, and <laughs> the true star from my birthstone shone upon your soft infant skin. I was so much more elated to find you than to receive that first breath of air when I reached the surface. I stole you from the ocean that day, from that demon, and I delivered you to the Marantorm Orphanage. And when I dropped you off, I watched over you for a while, but eventually I said goodbye, knowing this would be the last time I saw you. And now you are a bookend. So you see, Starblood hates you. And she hates me. Do you know my mom? Yes. Yes, I do. And so do you, Hawkins. Um, this is just... Uh, I can't... Yep, 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 what? <sighs> we, we have a lot of catching up to do, but we have to get through this first. Um, hi, Sylvia, thank you for this bracelet. It, it really meant a lot when... I just didn't feel like myself. It would kind of take me in an embrace and my wrist like it took me back so I just want to say thank you I, I was kind of mad at you I'm not gonna lie um, and I'm still a little upset but but you're right I wasn't ready so I appreciate you telling me now um, but I gave you the yeah, bracelet I, that she gave to me I I only saw it to be fitting I assumed you would see her again. It seems fated to be so. But I am glad to have you back. And to see that same starlight in your eyes. And just for the record, it's never changed. Skoda Bookworm then calls the council back together and reconvenes the meeting. Sylvia leaves the two of you to find your seat. After conferring with our intelligence, I believe we have overlooked one thing. The irony of the Black Lotus. Bookins, if you can shed any light on the subject of information you might have received, from the Shadow Monastery. I must also declare that this is no longer information gathering. This is a war council, for what we decide will determine the next events Baldtop Library will take. Skoda then stares at Ascendaton, waits for response, then impatiently taps his fingers on the table. Ascendaton! I'm talking to you. Do you have any insight which you could share 
He has taken the Lotus. We know that much. But where he fled, I don't know that any of us knows. I... We did uh, talk to the monks. Uh, I think I talked the most to them and, and learned a little bit. Um, the Black Lotus originally was planted by a fella named Manusa, um, uh, some very powerful monk from, I actually don't know how long ago it was. Uh, it re apparently requires quite a bit of power to plant the seeds for the Black Lotus and uh, somewhere in the Shadow Monastery, which I, I suppose we can't really access for another 77 years, there are reported to be some more seeds. Uh, that doesn't really help us know what Lord Basile is doing, but if if you happen to know a way to get a hold of those seeds and then uh, you know make the flowers grow real quick, we might be able to develop some kind of counterpunch. Um, but perhaps we could monitor if there's some way to see surges of power or anything that might be required to uh, to cause the flower to grow. That might be a way. Uh, you said Manusa is their leader. Yes. As in Manusa, the ancient vampire overlord. Uh, we didn't know anything about vampire. He is one of the dark lords. Hmm. Well, that puts things in a different light. Yeah, his brain was in a jar, apparently. I mean, Monk got on at me. I mean, we keep running into these brains in jars, but... If this is indeed the ancient vampire warlord Manusa and has planted the Black Lotus, well, we know that the prophecy was of his imminent return. Skoda then begins looking left and right at his advisors. Sylvia speaks up. Are you saying we let Basile take the Black Lotus? No, of course not. That's not what I'm saying, but... If that is what the Black Lotus is intended to do, raise Manusa once again, then we are doomed to shadow. That's what they told us. I, I sort of assumed that it could raise anybody from the dead, but the monks there said it was for raising up him specifically. This may have been a terrible oversight on all our parts. But especially, and ironically, an oversight for Lord Basile. To the best of my knowledge, he is not in league with any of the Dark Ones. I thought he served Grapson. This would seem counterintuitive. We did hear him say something about father at a, at a couple of points. Um, I don't know who that might be. Sylvia interjects. That is a common term given to Grapson. Hmm. Hmm. Skoda then concludes the meeting. Then it is decided we will lie and wait until the opportunity presents itself or further information is acquired. Bookins, I thank you for your service. We will inform you as to the next action to be taken. Ascendant, you are released from your confinement. We are indebted to you. I would like to know how you would like to continue serving Baldtop Library. Brother Skoda, if I may. These three have become very dear to me. I have always looked up to them. I wonder if I might be able to accompany them if I am able to achieve some sort of confidence in myself at this point. I would very much like to continue with them in whatever way I may be of use. Please, give me specific, not generalities. Then as a guide, yes. I think my knowledge could be of use to them as they make their way through this very large world. I think that would be very wise and helpful as your intelligence has continued to guide them. And hopefully you can aid Baldtop Traditionally, we have kept low during times of war and crisis, but this time we must consider the world at large and the knowledge and truth we preserve. I will say I only make this offer if they are willing to accept me, however, and he turns to face in your general direction. 
Cinditon has proven to be a loyal companion and very beneficial to this party. Um, I do not see how we would have even had the chance to be successful without him. And I would be honored to maintain his company. In addition to the help that he provides, he has also become a friend to us. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I, when I first took him on, it was nice to have, you know, some help, um, you know, so we could feel like we were really doing something. But truthfully, it was a little bit like the blind was leading the blind. Oh, um, sorry, mate. Uh, bad turn of phrase. But no, he's been been very helpful. You can talk. I'm going to learn a lot from Skoda this stood up and left the council immediately after Hawkins had finished talking. The council room is becoming empty. How do each of you proceed? Hawkins is going to try once again to uh, talk to Sylvia briefly um, and, and say to her, it seems as though you have a, uh, a way of balancing uh, those things that your sister does. Uh, like you've put in a lot of work to uh, undo some of the wrongs that she's done. I wonder if you in particular uh, might be able to help Ascenditon, whether that's, you know, restoring what she's taken away or or helping in, in some other way. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, don't ever tell Sterling, but it pains me to be locked away here in Baltop for my own safety and for the safety of others. And as much as I would rather be free, I am grateful to know that my little human is returning with all wonderful sorts of adventures and still alive. If anything ever happens to me, I trust your legacy and your lifespan will be able to look out for him. Is that true? I'll do what I can to take care of him, that's for sure. And as far as the Sintanen goes, what I suspect is that Starblood cursed him with her voice. And as long as her voice remains a presence in this world, so will his blindness. What I do think is interesting is that if what we think about the Black Lotus is true, I do not believe Lord Basile understands this, so that would mean Starblood must be playing some kind of game. With his initial encounter with the two, they must have prepared him for some kind of mind control spell. I believe now they wanted Sterling to take the Black Lotus. I think it's ironic. Uh, how again did he acquire it? Uh, Alright, so you see, Father Agu had been killed by Lord Basile. Um, Sterling used a spell. I, I think he got it uh, in the crypts um, back at uh, back in Boshin. Um, he read it, you know, the infernal script there, and uh, animated the corpse of Father Agu. <laughs> so yes, inevitably it all came true. Sterling took the Black Lotus. Yep. <laughs> Which was the point of the whole go to the end of the road. It was to program Sterling to take something for Lord Basile. I think it's ironic that he did so anyway. Hmm. I think the only way to fix your friend is to kill my sister. Yeah, well, that's already on our to-do list, so that's great. Stellan's looking after Skoda and just thinking to himself that one day he'll win him over. Uh, and he'll have something actually respectful to say, and hopefully a citizen can teach him how to do that. But right now he's still reeling uh, from all the truths told, and so he's really just... Finishing out this meeting, kind of thankful that he's still got a job um, ready for his next mission, but realizing these things are just way above him. Um, and he's kind of been feeling that pull more towards like 
um, we, since Jasper and the death and him dying, he's really wanting to work on that kind of connection that he has with that um, as well. As, um, but in this particular moment, he doesn't have anything to add to this. Vaughn is going to... Uh, he's actually going to see if he can get a second with Sylvia because she seemed to have pretty good understanding of where he went. So um, he may be standing by listening when Hawkins is having the conversation, if possible. Uh, he wouldn't interject, although he's starting to get a little suspicious. But he would also, um, if he had a second to, to chat with her or anybody else that interjected in the conversation, um, to try to learn a little bit more about where his family is and what he can do to help them and why they would be there because he's genuinely surprised that his parents and brother are having to pay that kind of price for their actions. Cause I think maybe he's naive to what they were really doing, or maybe he just felt like his good was counteracting whatever bad they could have been doing, but he was under the impression that they were the good guys. Um, as far as the trade families went and, uh, this is making him question a lot of stuff. So he's going to focus on that. Sylvia the elf is walking elegantly through the garden. You see her at nighttime and decide to catch up with her. Sylvia, hi. Um, you, you had some understanding of where I was, uh, where Lord Basile sent me, and uh, I admittedly don't know much about religion or other planes or how these things work, but... <laughs> yes, I remember you as a student. Yes, so you you know how studious I was or was not. Um, but now that I've seen my family, I... I help me understand what... How, how did my family end up there? And oh, where is there? And it was different than the place that I went, was sent before, but it was very similar. And what can I do to help them? Perhaps the question you should be asking is not, how can you get them? But if you could, where would you take them? I understand they died. One cannot return from the dead once their fate is sealed. Vacatino is a place where mortals live to pay off a debt. Grapson holds all the sinners in his hand as long as they continue to live the life of imbalance. The scale of good and bad deeds never lies, but its value is sometimes clouded from our understanding. But overall, Families who do not redeem the wrongs of their ancestors often are found paying off a debt they did not incur themselves. And this debt usually lasts a very, very long time in Vacatino. It's not that Grabson is unjust, it is that he is terribly just. And this is why he has prisoners. There are possible ways you could absolve your family. Gold is one of the ways that devils use to tempt mortals. The more of it they have, the more power they have in our world. But forgiveness, true forgiveness of a debt, can only be given by those who were wronged, and not even a god like him could absolve your family. <laughs> Some say that Grapson has done mortals a huge favor by giving them a place to pay off their debts, rather than risk an eternity in the abyss. Grapson's priests say we should be grateful. And considering that his commander, Zeriel, won the blood war, she has made sure that Vacatino is powerful once again. Entire churches have been built around making sure this judgment of sins stays in place. The tall elf places a hand upon your shoulder I'm sorry, Vaughn, that this is the way the world works. But perhaps there is hope in places that I have forgotten to look.
Ascendant and waits for the room to basically thin out as people move off to other places. And if there are people lingering in the room to have their discussions, he moves off to himself and basically opens a window and just looks out into the courtyard, looking at the moonlight. And and he's feeling bright yellow of light shining from windows around the courtyard, that kind of thing. Is feeling something like a warm embrace around his heart right now from the words that he heard from Vaughn and Hawkins and Sterling. They have been words that he has been needing to hear, words that he's been longing to hear. And certainly he's enjoyed the acceptance that they have given him. And he's not crying, but his eyes are glistening as he's looking out and just relishing the moment. Uh, And for just a moment, he is able to forget his recent troubles. And with that, he just kind of lets his mind wander. And so Ascendantin sits, looking out over the courtyard, hands folded in his lap, and taking a breath of the cool night air, receiving the words spoken by his friends. And so for now, our story concludes. Every story comes to an ending, so for now we must conclude. But thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded, and we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you enjoyed this background music and ambiance, visit Tabletop Audio. Find them at www.tabletopaudio.com. And once again, a special thanks to Rhett, the Dungeon Master from Stack of Dice, who plays the role of Ascendaton. If you are interested in his Dungeon Mastering skills, go check out Stack of Dice Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. But however you choose to sojourn with us, as always, may your story continue.